Anyway, I've got a good one for you today, just a little, little piece. When Abraham was talking to the Lord, I'm supposing this, I don't know it, but they, it seemed like they had some kind of a relationship before, but you don't see it, and it's just uh, uh, algebra, because uh, it's the only time that you get any indication that Abraham and God are negotiating. And I use the word negotiating because Abraham was real good at it, very good. And, he, and, and so was Moses, if you reconnoiter. Anyway, God is telling, saying good things to Abraham, which some of you really uh, have more interest in bobbling heads of children and other things than really concentrating on what God has to say. Uh, I'm gonna say this too, and please forgive me for, because uh, it's kind of a vent. I was thinking, and I believe this with all my heart, the more freedom you have, the greater picture you get of what you're all about. So I was thinking, and nobody bought it, of the people I talked to, but I, I was saying to self, self, what if we just had a Tuesday and Wednesday service? How would that be? And then the rest of the week, uh, then Friday, and we still kept things the way they were, so you'd have, you know, we're talking about a weekend like the Australians, you know, they want to work uh, maybe three days and have four days off. Uh, anyway, back to the, to the main point. Uh, <laughs> all of us fight individualism and the love of self. There's nobody that you'll ever see that hasn't plummeted plummeted the depths of hell and experienced darkness big time. Everybody has seen it. And you tend, as a humanist, and I did too, well, they're really a nice person. There's no such thing until, I mean, there are people who seem to be doing the best they can. But largely, we're all looking for resurrection. And we're all dealt with, deeply, deeply dealt with and our unmitigated disasters unless we're hanging on to God strongly. And I know you agree with that, but anyway, let me help fix one of your problems. Mine too. One of the hardest things you do is make an offering to God every day. to keep it real. That's true. Now, hear what, what I'm gonna say, because here's God talking to, uh, to Abraham, and God just said, go count the stars if you can. And then, uh, and then he went on and he, and he believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. But um, 
But in, in verse 8, or before that, God said, or later, he said, I'll be with you, and I'll, I'll bring you back into the land and do these things. And here's something that you really want to know, and everybody I've talked to really wants to know. How will I know? How will I know if you're for me? That's what, that's what Abraham said. And I'm thinking, dear God, how will I know? Well, what did God say to him? Do you remember? Does anybody in the house, anybody in the house, because I didn't know. I read the passage. I looked at it. I preached on it. Does, is there anybody in the house know what Abraham... Him an, he told him to make an offering and he would pass through it. Absolutely. Good. Uh, at least for the academic part of the day, you get an A. Spiritually, if you're doing it, you get more than that, you get growth. But, so everywhere you look, you see that you and I have to offer. And because we don't feel like we're much or don't account for much, and we don't, we won't to the degree that, that God would want us there. I, I was, uh, when I was running track, I, I was manager on the football team to pay, pay bills to go to college. And there was a crazy guy on the team. He was skinny and he was in the middle of the line and he, and he, played, uh, he played tackle and he was smaller than some of the rest of the guys. His name was Mercer. And he was an all out, most neurotic, vital guy. And he talked to people on the line and he was loud. And he, I'd never seen anybody play the way he played. And I really loved him, his name was Mercer. And he went on to be a, uh, a wrestling coach in Oregon. I tried to run him down, but I couldn't find him. But you and I, when we really want to know how we'll know, we'll keep offering. I was up early this morning and I was through this and I hit a news button or a sports button and I wandered around a little bit, and then I said, what am I here for? Why do I get up at this hour? To find out what's not gonna happen? What am I doing? And every one of us have capricious souls, okay? And if you wanna know how you're gonna know, offer. Say, God, make me faithful there. Okay? Make me faithful there. Now, you look at the offering, and it says, in the offering it says, the, uh, the fowls of the air came after it. And so he had to fight it. And you, get, you make an offering, you have to fight when you say, okay, God, you and I are going to be like this. This is what I want. Satan laughs at you because he knows you. And he knows me. But God also knows you. And he can, 
He can seal your commitment. He can do something with it. He can make it consistent. He can make it faithful. He can bring you to resurrection life. And <laughs> this guy went around. Sometimes in the back row, I don't even know who's there because of visual problems. I'll tell you this. Nothing in this world is going to change until we offer ourselves and somebody proves to God that they love him more than they love their wandering. God help us. And let's sing that uh, song as we gather. Can you play that song again? And you, let's gather and ask God to, to be faithful in our offering and to, to tell him when we're not. Because, uh, again, what am I? What are you to God? Well, he says we're his children. God help us. Let's gather.
Sometimes you, uh, think you have something really good to say that somebody might, uh, say, hey, that tickled my ear. That's, uh, something new. But today, what I have for you is, is not anything new, but it's something that is, uh, I think pertinent to pretty much every day. And I appreciated what Brother Bill started with this morning, because it's, it's along the lines of what I've been thinking about. It's just offering yourself, and no matter wh which, where you find yourself, what situation you're in, I want to be found in the way, and my, with my heart prepared to have God speak to me, and, and show me what He wants for me in, in every situation. And the only way really to do that is to... Uh, to offer yourself and to be available and be to be in the way, and you know we, we all find ourselves. It's funny this time of year is uh, it's it's dark. It's pretty cold out this morning. Winter finally hit, but it it, it always I, I it, um, the 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 kind of slow decline into the darkest time of the year. For me, it kind of sneaks up on me every year because it's so busy. You know, we're in the fall trying to wrap up things and we're boating and, you know, then we got Thanksgiving and then it's just like all of a sudden you realize, hey, it's December. It's the darkest time of the year. But on the other end of that, you know, coming back out of the light, it's just like, man, this end of December and January and February can see so, so long. It's like, man, is it ever going to get light and spring coming? But there is a spring that comes. And no matter what the place of darkness or confusion or not understanding that you find yourself in, if we keep our heart in the right place and we keep seeking, keep making ourselves available, keep ourselves on the path, he's going to show us answers. And that's the encouragement that we can hold on to this morning is keep seeking, keep pursuing, keep knocking, because he is going to have answers for us. Let me start out over in uh, Acts 17. Mm -hmm. Is that good? Is that a good one? Sometimes... Um, on the, on the way to work, if I if if I leave at the right time, I hear this preacher on the radio, and uh, he's got some really good things to say. He's he's a uh, pretty charismatic, and he's he's from Dallas, and um, he, he likes to talk about the Cowboys every now and then. Keto, yeah, that's good stuff, huh? But one, what's that? Some to say, yeah, there is some there. He talks about the rapture some too, but. Um, but one thing he said, he said a little while, I don't know, it was a few months ago or something, but uh, he said, you know, there's, there's 53 guys on that team. That's, I think that's the roster, right? The 53-man roster. And, you know, they're all in good shape, and they're big guys, and they're, they're all <coughs> their own person. But when they come to play that game, Unless they're all on the same page and listening to what the coach says, it's going to be a disaster out there because everybody's going to be going different directions. But you know, 
there's stuff that happens behind the scene that you don't see on game day that prepares them for that game. So not only do they have to be in tune with their coach, but they have to be taking personal time at, at, in their off time, in the off season, whatever it is, to, to train themselves, to lift weights, to work out, to study the game, to, to be prepared for when their moment comes. And that is such a, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a kind of a hockey guy, but, but if you look at the difference between 20 years ago and the athletes now that are on the ice, the game is so much faster and there's so much, I mean, everything is done at just such high speed. It just, it's just amazing. If, if, you, if you know the game, I know, I know Brother Bill likes hockey a lot, but no. <laughs> but these guys are such finely tuned athletes. It's all, their, their, their season never ends. You know, their, their, their game, and you know, they have this few months of a season, but during the off season, they are training hard to, to keep themselves in shape for, for that moment that's going to come when they're, when they're being called on to, to be in the game. And that's, it's really what we need to do too, is we can't, we can't allow ourselves to, um, to, to take breaks and to be distracted by other things. We've got we've to continue to seek and continue to, to uh, allow ourselves to be exercised and intersected by God because that's, that's how we're going to get to where we are, can be a vessel that's used by him is if, if we're constantly in that state of God, here's my heart. And I, I appreciate what Angela said yesterday and looking it up. And I don't know if anybody did that this morning, but here I am, Lord, speak. Here I am. I present myself. I offer myself to you today, even though I don't see what's going on around me. And I'm looking for answers and I'm looking for direction, whatever it is. I want to have my heart in a, in a position that can be can be filled and is spoken to and directed by you. And here's here's Paul. Um, it's a familiar familiar scripture, but we're in Acts 17 here, and uh, this is we'll start in verse 22. Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, "Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious." That's a good way to start, huh? Good opening line. <laughs> For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, without knowing him I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Um... But that, that line there says, so that they seek the Lord in the hope that they might grow for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And I wonder how many of us have found ourselves in that position where it says we grow for him. We Groping is like, the picture I get is you're in the dark and you can't see where you're going and you're, you're trying to find your way. And... 
So there's many times that I feel that way in my life and the answers of, of things that I'm looking for. You know, we, we, um, it says he's, he's not far away, but we, we can't, we can't, it, it's like the veil is so thin, but we can't quite see what he's wanting out of us. And I find myself, you know, we talk about the, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of physical needs in our, in our midst and we, we know them and we are familiar with them and, you know, after a while, you don't you don't even know how to what to say to somebody. After you know, you know, I live with a situation like that, and, and, and it's it's like I, I just you just don't know how to be an encouragement. Sometimes it's just like you've said, I don't know what God's doing, but man, I sure strengthen you and bless you, and hope that you can stay firm in the battle. You know, there's, and what do you do in a situation like that? You know, and, and there's, I mean, all of us, you know, there's, like I said, there's, there's needs that we all have and there's, they're on the marquee and they're before us, but in your purpose, it's stuff that's not talked about much, you know, the anguish that people are in, in their minds in some certain situations or the, the, the secret places of your heart that, that you're asking God to rectify or to help you through. Or to change, you know, in the in the middle of in the middle of that thing, I, I find myself I can get if I'm asking God for something, and you know I, I keep asking Him and I'm not seeing a marked change. It can be so easy to get cynical and say, God, you know, ugh, what's the use? You know, this is just going to go on. But that's a danger of of our of my heart getting hard if I don't keep asking. Keep knocking, keep seeking him, keep putting my heart in a place that he can be, that I can be available to him, that he can direct me. It's, um, you know, over there in Matthew, it's, it sounds pretty, uh, pretty clinical and pretty easy, you know, in Matthew 7, where it says, ask and it'll be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened. And that's a lot of times just not that easy. You know, you just go one time, here I am, God, you know. It says if I knock, we're going to open. Where's my, where's my answer? Where's my light? Where's my solution to this problem I'm in? Well, I guess he didn't answer, at least not what I was looking for. What's the use? But that's, that's not the position he wants us to be in. He wants us to keep coming back, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking, stay in the battle. Keep yourself from getting hard. Keep yourself in a position. God, here I am. Keep asking. Keep seeking. There's some things that God doesn't do for you. You know, he, 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 he requires us to take the steps and step out and not just stay static and expect that he's going to drop everything in my lap. You know, it's just not going to happen that way, usually. You know, I'm, I'm not a big uh, dentist guy, but... Uh, well, I know you all like going there, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It's just usually when you go, it's not that big a deal. 
Oh, well, I don't know. Sometimes it is, but but you know, you get your little thing on here, and you're shooting you up with Novocaine, you're drooling down your chin, and whatever it is. But it's I just I don't like going to the dentist. But you know, I put it off and put it off, and now I you know I've had something going on here, and now I've been trying to get a hold of the dentist this week, and I nobody will answer the phone, and they won't call me back. You know, but God is not just gonna you know just hey you know for the next. 50 years, your teeth aren't going to wear out like the children of Israel's shoes. You know, no, you got to actually go and put yourself down and submit to God. Here I am. Open your mouth. Do your work on me, you know, and that's what you got to keep coming. Keep presenting yourself to God. I, I know I don't like this process. I don't want anything to do with it, you know, but it's what you need. It's what you have for me. And it's what is going to bring me to the place that you can use me, break this vessel down and put me on the operating table and, and make me something that can be used by you. Right. And it's only in that coming and making myself available that he is, that, my, that I'm going to be changed in that process. We ask for stuff and it's, it's often not just presented to us on a platter that here you go. You know, I, I know you asked for this one time and here it is. He wants us to keep coming, keep coming, keep pursuing, keep being in the way that he can, that he can make um, make us a, a, a people with, with staying power. And it's, it's not by our strength. I mean, we, we know that. We've, I've tried so many times. You know, we're, we find, I, it's, it's hard for us to hide from each other because we know each other. We live close. And I mean, I screw up on the regular. You know, I say things that I wish I wouldn't have said or whatever it is. Or, you know, just here we go again. But it's like, it's, it's in the returning and the God, I, I don't want to, I don't, I want, I want to see a change in my life. Keep presenting yourself to make yourself available. That's, that's when the character is going to be built. And that's when he's going to, he's going to make himself real to you in your life. It's not going to happen just overnight. Um, let's, let's turn over to Job for a minute. <clears throat> this is uh, Job 23. Huh? Yeah, Job was, you know, it was, it was funny. I was reading. I'm not going to read it today, but I think it's Job 29, where he talks about how great he is. <laughs> that was kind of funny. He's going through, man, I used to go out in the street, and the young man would yeah. sit and listen to me, and, you know, your light was upon me, and everybody was hanging on every word I said. You know, it's, it's pretty funny, but God has a way of humbling us, and about the time you think you're something, he cuts you down, and tells you that, you know, no, you, you have some need there. But God is not really directed by my sense of timing and my sense of what he should do. And we have, that's something that's, it's hard to get through. It's like, God, I'm, I've sacrificed my life. I've done this and that. Why aren't you giving me the answers I need? Well, you know, some of that's your reasonable service and choices you made along the way, but we can't direct and, and, and have, decide for God how he's going to meet us and how he's, going to, how he's going to take me in the road that he's going to take me on. And just reading, this is Job 23. Um, we'll start with verse, verse 1 here. Job answered and said, Even today my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. 
I would know the words that he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. It's like, God, here's the reason that you need to answer me in this way. <clears throat> and, and present yourself and think that you have all this great information for God. And, you know, kind of direct him in the way that he should move and how he should lead you and how he should provide for you. But that's not the way it is. It's, it says, go, it says would, you, would he contend with me with his great power? No, but he would take note of me. There the upright would reason with him, and I would be delivered forever from my judge. So he's wanted, he wants to present his case and all the reasons why. In the next verse, it says, verse 8, Look, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. And he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. That had pretty much has all the bases covered. I can't find, you know... I know what I want God to do, but I keep, why isn't he not listening to me? But this is the, this is the part that can seem not fair. You know, I, I can't figure out what God wants to do and or how he's using me. He says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. He says, he, he knows the way that I need to go. You know, I have all these ideas. I look for him here and there, and it's, it's just not what my mental... It's not where Paul's saying, you know, I see the objects of your worship. I see what you perceive to be God or perceive to be the thing that you need. But he's saying that that unknown God, that's the one that we have to find. And we have to we have to let ourselves be known by that. That unknown part of God, that secret of the Lord that is only revealed to those who seek him with all their heart. And it says uh, he knows the way I take when I'm tested, I shall come forth as gold. My foot is held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of the Lord, of the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Somebody mentioned that this week. Um, who was it? Bobby on. More than my necessary food. That's the place that I got to get to, is that his words mean more to me than my natural life. And it says, um, but he is unique. Who can make him change? And whatever his soul desires, that he does. For he performs what is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. I'm, I'm terrified at his presence. Um, and, and verse 17 says, because I was not cut off from the presence of darkness, he did not hide deep darkness from my face. And thinking of that, it's like, I expect that since I'm following God and he knows me and I know him and I want to do what's right, he's just going to make everything light in front of me. That's just not sometimes the way it goes. It says he did not hide deep darkness from my face. He does not protect me necessarily from walking through dark places and places that I don't understand when I'm in the middle of the battle. Because... It, very often in the middle of those places is the place where his, he can reveal himself to me and reveal really what he's looking for and make me more dependent on him. It said he performs what is appointed for me. <clears throat> what can stand between God and what he has in, for me? What he has appointed for me? You know, um, I was thinking about in, in, uh, Jenny and uh, the, this recent thing she was going through, and you know, the pain. I don't. I haven't heard how she's doing right now. I heard a recent report, but 
You know, when you're in, in so much pain, my wife had this a few years ago where she was in a lot of pain, just a kidney deal. And when you're in the middle of that battle, it's like, my God, what's happening to me? Am I, gonna, am I dying? Am I, I mean, there's a lot of confusion and wondering and, and the mental anguish you go through. God, what, what is in the middle of this thing for me? And that's when I have to throw myself on the Lord and say, God, what is, you, you're not, you're not, um, you're not protecting me from walking through these dark things, but you're protecting me and you have a purpose for me in the middle of it. And that's, that's where I need to come to is, is find myself in the way. So when I, when I, when I'm asking and I'm not getting the answer I need, am I going to keep asking, keep seeking, keep, keep following on to know the Lord in the middle of those things? Because that's, that's what's important. That's, that's what's important for me. You know, I, I like to, um, I kind of like to know, I think I said it last time I was up here, I'm, I'm not a big change guy either. I kind of like to know what's going on and what's coming and where I am and, and all that. And when you find yourself in a place of not knowing the way, it can be very um, overwhelming and kind of disorienting, obviously. I, I was reminded of a time back in, uh, back in the day before cell phones were a thing. But we used to go, and I'm sure this is, the kids are not going to be able to wrap, we've got a lot of young hunters here that are not going to be able to wrap their heads around this, but, you know, there wasn't always four-wheelers and cell phones and GPSs and all that stuff around. You know, back, back in the day, it was like you'd strap on your hiking boots and just go tooling out in the woods and... You know, you were really cool if you had your maps that you had were kind of laminated together, and so the rain wouldn't break them down, right, Don? You know, you could you could you could fold up your paper map and stick in your pocket, but when the rain got it wet and you're trying to unfold it and see where you are, that was. But if you're cool, if you had a something that was laminated, but anyhow, so we guys would take the photocopier, get these big maps, and you know tape them together and try to get some kind of lamination on there and it was it was pretty cool and back then back behind us we didn't have all these fires right now it's like if you walk far enough you're going to get into a place where there's a big burn you can kind of see around where you are but back then there were there were just a few trails through the woods and it was all pretty pretty deep forest you know there's some bogs open and stuff but but one time we were out there on the nodwell and and uh nodwell broke down and we were you know so we kind of were there so we can get help. So we're kind of spiking out. But I took this one excursion. I wanted to go up to these lakes that were kind of off the, off the grid a little bit. And walking up through the woods, and, you know, it, it rained at one point during the day, so I was hunkered underneath a nice spruce tree to kind of wait it out. But, you know, at some point during the day, I, I kind of got a little disoriented about where I was. And that's a, that's a, pretty, uh, it's a pretty discomforting feeling. I mean, you can't get too far just walking through the woods, you know, but you can't just open up your cell phone and hit Google Earth and say, where am I, you know? You're kind of relying on, well, I think I'm at this little pond in the woods, and that's in this, and, you know, I didn't want to get to the point where I was trying to navigate by the stars. I wanted to be home by dark, you know? But, <laughs> but in the middle of that place, it's like, man, that's, that's a disorienting place to be in when you can't figure out what's going on and where you are. And God, why aren't you meeting me in the middle? I've asked you about this so many times. Why, do, why don't you answer me? 
Why can't you present me with something that I can sink my teeth into in a, in a positive answer? But he wants us to keep asking, to keep seeking. And, you know, I, I went out from, from that place and um, it was funny. I, I was, it was getting dark and I was, I was kind of on a path. I thought I knew where I was going and I hit this trail and um, I was walking along. And all of a sudden I, I ran into some, some guys from our party. It was Ron and Ben and I, I think maybe, maybe Joel or somebody. But it was, it was getting dark, and I couldn't really see. I don't know what. They probably, probably don't even remember that. But, but huh? Do you remember it? <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I don't know, pretty low-key sort of guy. <clears throat> so I was, you know, I like to be, I like to think of myself as fairly self-sufficient. So I, was, I wasn't making a big deal that I'd run into these guys. Like, hey, guys, yeah, let's go on home. It's getting dark now, you know. But just... The relief that I felt inside when I ran into these guys, like, hey, you know, stuff's going to be all right now. And um, in the middle of it's, it's so nice when you, when you can finally find a place of, of, of uh, orientation, a place of, of, of meeting something in the middle of your struggle. <clears throat> God, you put this thing in my path, but I, I know that you have a way through it for me. And I don't have to be wandering. I don't have to be wondering what you're doing in my life. If, if my heart has stayed on you, if I'm, if I'm willing to present myself and offer myself, you're going to have something for me in the middle of that. And you're going you're gonna to provide the way forward. Um, this was something that was recently, I, I haven't, I've, I've talked to some people about this, but when, when Madison went down to Dallas, um, we were looking for a, a car, you know, so David can relate because he's been through this recently, but you go through all the, I mean, I'm not a mechanic, right? So it's, I'm, it's not really my thing. And we, I mean, we buy a lot of used cars around here, but it's done by people that know what they're doing and know what to look for. And then they have, we have the, the luxury of having that vehicle come back to the shop for a couple days and they put it up on the rack and tinker around and make sure everything's good before they put it in, release it into the fleet, right? So thank God that there's people to do that. But the last time I bought a car myself was um, 30, 30 years ago, probably 20, I don't know, something like that. No, I'm not that old. I'm pretty. So I was, I was just like, I don't know, ten years old, I think, when I bought it. <laughs> yeah, I was. But it's not really my thing. So you know, before you go down, you're looking at the internet and trying to line up some stuff. I made some contact with people who live down there, trying to find a way to. Because, you, you, you know, when you're 4,000 miles away or whatever, you don't want to put her in something that's going to be breaking down. So you do all this stuff and um, do your homework and do what you can. But when actually get down there and try looking around, it, you know, I really wish I would have taken my mud boots down there because you wade through a lot of uh, people's... Uh, stuff when you're when you're trying to buy a used car especially i mean you, you go to the to the lot you know and you get 
couple people come out and they want to sell you something. It's funny, the first line everybody says, oh, good car, clean title, nothing wrong with it. I mean, everybody says that. <clears throat> and it's like, but you go through all these things and, you know, if, you're, if, if the budget would have been about twice what it was, you could go down to most any dealership and walk away with something that was just fine. But when you're dealing with a lower budget, it's like there's a lot of seeking and knocking and pursuit that goes into that. And, you know, you can go through these filters, you know, you got these search sites on there and you can go through and put the different filters in of mileage and price and all that stuff. And, you know, it trims your list down of what's available. I was thinking it'd be nice if they put on that filter list, you know, doesn't smell like cigarette smoke. It's not beat up on the inside. You know, it's whatever. You wish there was more filters that you could put on that list, but it got pretty discouraging, you know, going around running all over. I put like over 600 miles on a rental car in a few days down there, just running around looking at all these places. And, you know, it takes a little while to kind of figure out what you're looking for and, and whatever, but in the middle of that, I was, you know, before we had, we had prayed on, before we went down, we prayed about every day when we were together. It's God, we need, we need direction. We need, we need something. Give, give me some indication here that you're going to lead me because I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for help here. I need help. This is not my thing. It's not my area. I don't want to just, you know, grab the first thing that comes along, but it's kind of a long story. I won't bore you with all the details, but in the middle of it, it seems like I'm not really getting any help. You know, it's like, God. Every, every avenue I go down, there's something wrong, there's some issue, or there's some, you know, title problem, or whatever it is. We, we, we were kind of, kind of set on this one vehicle, and, and we, there was a couple issues that I knew about. It was like, well, we should be able to fix that. And so I, I took it to a mechanic, and uh, the first thing he said is, okay, yeah, I'll check it out for you. What, what are the issues that you know about? So I, I told him what was going on, and he said, he was this older guy kind of a grandpa he had kids and grandkids of his own he's like you don't want that thing you don't even, you don't want to even touch that thing he was he was mad that the dealer even let me drive it off the lot but it was like now that was a definitive thing i was asking god for, you know and it was like you don't want that thing i was like well madison she was kind of set on it, it was a nice, pretty decent vehicle it's like hey we asked we asked god for help this is the answer that's not even an option anymore right and so we had found this other vehicle that um, actually we ended up buying it, but for, we went and looked at it and it was, it was pretty decent. It was low mileage, which I mean, the place is so spread out down there, you know, it's, what, six and a half million people, there's, it's all spread out. But um, there was an issue. I went, I, I saw the same exact vehicle, same year, same everything at a different dealer for a lot higher mileage, a lot, higher price of like well why is this other car so much cheaper it's the same thing and we ran the title oh you don't want that thing it was total and whatever and, um but anyhow digging around it, it had been totaled because of some hail damage on it but it was it was very very minor very cosmetic and it was it, it's low mileage it seemed like it was going to be a really good thing for us so that's the one we ended up buying but it, it's quite a long story of going through and trying to find this thing, looking at all these vehicles. If you go to buy something on a dealer lot, you can just cross the board, add three or $4,000 to what you can find at a smaller. And they say, oh, this car is great. A couple of the dealers are driving, it feels like the wheels are gonna fall off. It's like, what do you, you know, it's just crazy. But anyhow, so then we go to get insurance for this car. 
And I'm having, you know, we do this stuff online and um, and people call you back with insurance deals and it's having a really hard time finding insurance. Well, what's going on with this thing? Well, this particular model car from 2015 to 2021, there's some glitch in the, um, when you shut the key off, it doesn't lock the engine up and so kids can steal it. And there's this big deal where kids can steal it with a screwdriver and a USB cord. And so insurance companies, many of them won't even insure this vehicle. And if they do, the, the rates are sky high because they're so theft prone. They're like, oh, great. Yeah, well, I thought God's leading me, so now what? But the car that we got was a 14. So it was right before this problem was a thing. And so unbeknownst to us, you know, bouncing all over the place, asking God, can you direct me? We stumble into this thing that's got low mileage on it. It's mechanically sound. We took it to it and they checked it out and it's just below the, so I can get insurance for it. And you know, when you, when you look back and say, God, you, you, you were there. You did care about what I was doing. It's, it was so encouraging to me. And um, you know, to Madison, I told her a couple of times, I said, you need to put this on your internal radar you know, God helped us out here because it, it was getting, I mean, honestly, it was getting pretty discouraging after four or five days of just feeling like you're chasing your tail, trying to find something that is not going to break down. It's the right price and it's, it's decent. And in the middle of it, it's like, God, I'm asking you for help. Where is the help? Why can't you just put something right here in my path? And I stumble into it. And it's the perfect thing. It's like, no, you actually have to get out there and pound the pavement, get off your butt and move and I'm going to meet you in the middle of that now there is a time I, I know there's a time that you have to stand you have to just stay in your place you have to wait you have to present yourself but then there's but you, in the middle of that you can't just be static it's like God I have to I have to do something with what you're giving me today I have to present my case I have to I have to be in the way I have to um not just sit around and, you know, blindly grope after him like something's going to just fall into my lap. Because sometimes that happens, but most often it doesn't. Right. Most often it's seeking, asking, and not just the first or second time. We have to keep, keep, keep coming back to him, keep presenting myself before him so that he can, he can be available to me. There's so many times we can't let ourselves be discouraged in the way because it's very often it's not the, the answers are not going to come the way that I want them to let's look over in um, Genesis 34 I am um, I referenced this before we went down there um, but I was talking about a different part of the story I'm sorry, Genesis 24. That's a totally different story there. Let's go to Genesis 24. Um, <clears throat> this is a little different situation than trying to find a car for your daughter. This is trying to find a wife for your, your boss's 
only son. It's a little different, little different scale. Kind of the same deal, but you know, I appreciated Abraham starting out. Brother Bill talking about Abraham this morning, but you talk about a guy that was kind of just you know relying on God. There's not a lot said about him. It said you know when when God first said you know leave your country and go out to the place where I'm going to show you. It goes it's going through the genealogy there, and his, his dad died, and I don't know if Abraham was. Looking for direction? I mean, it doesn't really say. He just just says, I mean, I'm assuming he was open to God somehow because so let's go and, you know, head out to the land I'm going to show you. And you. You talk about looking for answers and being directed and putting yourself in the way. That's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty big step. And then later on when he goes, you know, God says, take your son Isaac here, the guy you've been waiting years and decades for, and go offer him up, and he just goes and does it. You know, like you talk about God being led by God. And having a heart to put yourself and present yourself and being available. That's kind of the place that we need to be in. But this is, um, this is different. Um, this is Genesis 24. We know the story. And it says, Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh and I'll make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. This is a pretty big commission for this guy. And just side note, I just thought it was interesting. His name is never mentioned in this story. It just it refers to him as the man and the servant and whatever. But so it kind of leaves it open to put yourself in that place, you know? And so he's he's got this huge weight of burden on him of finding a wife for Isaac. And he's being sent out, you know, go. And so he went and he, he went over there and, and, and he, he, he found the well. And he said, we'll skip through this a little bit. Verse 12 says, he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. She says, drink, that, that, that's going to be the one for me. And so this was, you know, he, I don't know how long the journey was. It was quite a while. But he asked specifically for something from God. And in this case, it happened just the way he asked. And isn't that a tremendous thing when that happens? Yes. When you say, God, this is what I'm looking for. Please give me a sign. And he gives you a sign. That's a, a tremendous thing. And I'm, I'm, we can probably all look back at places where God is in our life. It's like, God... Show me something. You know, you open your Bible and point. And you know, we've talked about that before. Sometimes it's a thing. I don't really try that much. But, but we ask God for something specific. And he answers us in such a specific way. Or he, he um, gives you confirmation of something that you're thinking about. And he drops it in your lap like that. And it's, it's such, it's such a, a, an encouraging and, and uh, a welcome example of God leading in your life. But that's not always the way it happens. But... So she goes back and tells her parents and, you know, this guy's trying to make me go somewhere else. But, but in, Gen in, in verse 26, it says, Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who, is not forsake, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. That 
right there. I mean, it's, it's, we've talked about that scripture over the years many times, but that's the place that I have to find myself in. I'm in the way. And that, that too can have a diff, couple different meanings. Sometimes you're just in the way, right? Just, get out of the way. Let me do my thing. But in this case, I'm in the way. I'm here. I'm available. I'm offering myself. I'm Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Here I am, Lord. I'm coming again for the umpteenth time. And I'm laying my heart. I'm laying my desires. I'm laying my request before you. Here I am, being in the way. It says the Lord led me. That's where I want to find myself. In the way, available, offering with an open heart that he can direct me. Because that is where I'm going to, that's, that's where I'm going to find answers and help. Even if it doesn't look the way that I want it to look. Um, I'll wrap this up. But here's, there's, a, there's a great scripture over in Deuteronomy uh, 29. It's, it's funny. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a non sequitur here. Ver, De Deuteronomy 29 verse 29. He's going through about why the people are, um, it says the whole, uh, the inhabitants of the land are, are wondering why the, why the children of Israel are being taken and, and destroyed and pulled out of their land and whatever, the anger of the Lord against them. He's going through all that. But then verse 29 here says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things are those things that He doesn't just reveal just the first time you ask Him. He doesn't just give you the answer you're looking for in the middle of your physical, your emotional, or your mental struggle. He, he makes us seek after them and pursue them and, and find them out. But then when it says, but those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever. Those are the little things that God reveals to me along the way. Those, those little secret things of the heart. Those little answers that he gives us. The things that, that we can make our own. It says those things, those secret things that are revealed to me. Each one of us. Collectively, but more, more personally. Because, you know, collectively doesn't really cut it much with God, I don't think. I mean, sure, we have to, we have, to have. But what really matters is what is in here. The things that he's revealed to me, those things cannot be taken away. It says they belong to you and your children forever. They're secret. They're not just exposed. You know, they're not just there for the taking. I have to, I have to, I have to um, be diligent and to keep asking, keep asking him for answers, keep asking him to reveal those things to me. But when he does, it's mine forever and it can't be taken away. Let's look over really quickly. <clears throat> this is Romans 11. <clears throat> it's just an encouraging scripture. Uh, this is Romans 11.33. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord 
Or who has become his counselor? Or who hath first given him, and it shall not be repaid? For of him, through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Who can know the mind of the Lord? The depths of the riches, how unsearchable are his judgments. You know, God, I don't understand why you're putting me through this thing. I can't understand that your, your ways are unsearchable. It's too great for me to know. But I know that if I keep seeking, I keep asking, I keep pursuing, you're going you're gonna to show me what you have for me in the middle of this search situation. You know, in the middle of your searching and knowing, it's like, God, why aren't you giving me the answer I need? But, you know, when we come to the end of it and we realize that God has been leading us along when we're making ourselves available, it says, then, then you see the word behind you. It says, this is the way walking you in. And you realize that all along the way, he's been leading you. Even though you don't see it, it's not the answer you're looking for. It doesn't come the way it, that, that you wanted it to, but he's been with you there all along. It says, this is the way, walk in it. Amen? Amen. Uh, I'm, I like confirmation, and I was in, and probably will be in tomorrow and tomorrow and for quite a while in uh, Act 17. Just want to uh, say this. First of all, thank you for understanding that God I wrote down, God is far more interested in your maturity than you are. And when we get that, we, we realize sometimes he, he allows us, gives us room. And I want to say this is, again because it's extraordinarily valuable for you. That um, the major mistakes and uh, misdirection you make are sometimes your best friends for going forward. And you are best when you're totally free and no one sees what you're doing. Just you. And this is why it's so vital that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Let me just read this and, and I'm start throwing chairs if I'm longer than seven minutes. But listen to this, it says, talking about God, and, and in verse 26 of 17, and hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God knew you were gonna be in Alaska. He knew the limitations. He knew you were going to come back from Switzerland. He knew that I would ache uh, at times for where he asked me to go. And I, and I would sit on my couch and say, I don't want to go. And then I would go. And so he's made those determinations. He knows you're falling and you're getting up. He knows it all. And, and we don't. And so the discovery, and I, I'm thinking, I was thinking this morning about uh, I've got to go preach and I've got a bunch of stuff before me on the trip. And I'm sitting here and looking, and what I've watched is fathers and, and mothers 
with little children over the years, and I've seen it about three times, at least, and in other places more. But a little boy will begin to walk, maybe the first time, and they're all waiting for his first steps. And he's right there at the coffee table, and the mother says, no, 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 don't do, don't do that. And the father will go over and get glassware or something out of the way. And the little kid will make a step, and the mother, she is going, ah, because she, the mothers are the most responsible. They, after all, you bear the children, you nurse the children, you're with the children more. So they're, they're more uh, concerned immediately. But the fathers, if they're good, they're there. And they say, well, let him fall. You know, I, I don't want him to fall, the mothers. I don't want him to fall. And the father says, so what? He's got to fall. Let him fall. And the kid falls. And the mother's over there to pick him up. And the father says, no, let's see if he can get up. And, and this is where you work. Can you get up? Can you reconnoiter when you just see all the spill out and all the wasted time and the money you've spent? God had to, you know, you know, mess up your hair, fool with your psyche, so that you would be stamped with the knowledge that he is with you, whether you see it or not. And I'm, I, one of my biggest problems, I want it to happen now. And it just doesn't. One of the important things for you and for me to understand that we have to do this alone. And you said that. I don't know how much you were going to develop it, but this isn't a groupie thing. We've got groupies here, and, and, and I, I detest the adhesion to, that friends make when they exclude somebody else. And I told you this before, and you'll hear it from me, because it's, it's damnable, it's sin, for you to exclude anybody. And that took me a long time. I was an old man before I got a hold of that. But here, it's filthy. It's filthy. Please get this. And you're, you're hearing from somebody who did it and who, who was exclusive and thought exclusively and, and had a red pencil for this stuff. Don't do it. And I, you know, one of the great things about our school at times, and I've seen it, and maybe it's the teachers who helped it, but the, the group becomes a real group and there's all kinds of people who look like they're not social. We have a little baby that's been born recently, and that baby is big time social. Everyone that comes to that child, and you pray for that baby, if you know who she is. Because there's some who won't let anybody get near them. And there are others that they're out there. It's a calling. It's a calling. And you have to, you have to be able to let God take you where you don't want to go. You know? And this is really, he's determined your appointed time. Somebody said, you don't love me years ago. And I said, you shut your mouth. 
I was really ugly. Really double it. I know you can't believe it, but and and I said, You've never loved me. And I man, I went into kind of a semi I was trying to keep the fire down. But I said, Don't you ever say that again. And I don't know how far I got. I know today I that person is still a friend. God knows how far you're gonna go. He's determined your boundaries. You'll go there, and he knows at times you won't go for it. You'll sit for two years, some of you, or three years, or four years, and not have any progress whatsoever. And then, and this happens because I've been here watching, and somebody that you have, you would say, never, never gonna happen, never gonna go anywhere, all of a sudden comes back. And please understand this, folks, this, this is close to my heart. My, my grandson, Aaron, is on the phone. He's talking. He doesn't say all nice things about me. He wants to talk about the old times when they were rotten. And I have to own those things. But please understand, don't evaluate yourself. You're the precious commodity of God. You're, those of you who hold these little babies and walk around you, fathers, mothers, and the children, when you hold them close, understand, God, the God who made everything, feels that way about you. And, and he allows you to fall. He allows you to mess your legs up, to break. I mean, what kind of a God out there that won't protect our little, our little girl who broke her arm? How many times? How many times did she break her arm? Huh? How many times, honey? What? Five? No, that was with her leg. What? What? I didn't, I looked away. I didn't want to give God my thinking. And you helped me when you said, you opened up and said, watch your heart. You gotta watch it all the time. Because you'll do nasty, filthy things you'll be sorry of. Sometimes the anger of a moment can take away, you know, and destroy a love relationship. But please understand, you gotta do this alone. It's lonely, it's all outdoors. If you don't get alone with God to get it, you won't get it. It would, you see, <laughs> and the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. I never wanted to live in Alaska. Too bad, Bill. God wanted you there. People say, how did you get there? How did I, I don't know how I got here. Someone said, how'd you get here? You know, I'm a mover. I can't tell you. And some of you can't either. But here you are. God help us. Hope you have a nice weekend, what's left of it. And, uh, but remember, uh, you're appointed for great things. And your, your father won't leave you. But if you don't break up the love relationship you have with you, you'll just 
be static and not go anywhere. You're looking at a guy who stopped and had many stops and starts. God help me and God help every one of us to, to speed some of these things up. Thanks again for, uh, and wasn't that pure today, just listening to it? Clean, like a fresh glass of water when you've been in the desert. Lord, be with us today. Be with our sister. Forgive us for evaluating, red penciling friends, being exclusive, uh, explosions inside, pretending that we love and walking as those who's, who whore around with that which is the darkness. Great God, draw nigh to us as we draw nigh to thee. And may this be a, 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 a wonderful time. Protect our little ones, Lord. Let them understand that, uh, that we break our bones, that he didn't do it, that we are fragile, and we need to be careful as we walk before you for Jesus' sake. Amen.